and he becomes like a spectacle and you know the bullies like Nelson and yeah. the guy with the beanie hat yeah. and like, they're looking at um, Homer through the window and he's so fat they're like oh my god look at him and then one of the bullies is like I heard that guy's ass has its own congressman <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's so a really stupid. good line. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and it's done that sort of, hey, I heard that guy's ass has his own congressman. <laughs> specific political. So, so specific. <laughs> And he, always, he never says Liz Truss. It's always Liz Truss. Yeah, Liz Truss. Liz Truss. Like she's yeah. in trouble at school. Liz <laughs> Truss. <laughs> it's just Liz Truss. Roll this. We are. It's all going. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Quasi Quateng. Quasi Quateng. No, with Gillian Keegan. Well, it, it's extraordinary, isn't it? That, you know, that's a delaying you know, tactic. Me and Tony, it's, it's a really, really got a sense of what the public wanted at the time. That thing he does, Rory, when he says that at the beginning of every sentence, where he goes, well, it's, well, it's extraordinary. He goes, that's something he's got into the habit of because really it, it's a delay tactic yes. so it really blends together quite extraordinary. yeah well it is it's quite peculiar because what we have is a and you've bought yourself a microsecond for your brain yeah. to go right I, I do remember in afghanistan yeah. and, and and they they sort of laughed at me it was it was very sort of strange <laughs> you've got to get the difference between rory stewart and it not being tony blair if you go too far with Tony, yeah. you become too tony blair T- tony blair's like, a bit look, grinnier I, yeah, I, 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 I accept <laughs> that there may or may 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 not have been yeah. <laughs> but with um yeah with rory it's peculiar. Mm. you're teethy and you imagine the i'm sitting here and there, i always <laughs> find politicians they actually the conduct is the same i always thought my headmaster was very much talked like a politician when he addressed it was basically i was like you could go straight into politics if you wanted i was with a head teacher the other day that for very work reasons, um, <laughs> were you in trouble? Uh, oh, no, of, of a, of a, and um, but they were still had. Oh, I would. It, it was like that kind of politician statesman esque mm. thing because he was talking to external people, to journalists, and he still had that way of talking. Well, absolutely, we're very, very impressed mm. with what we've been able to do here. That was taken from over here. Then yeah. we were moving it over here, and of course, we're really happy. Of course, with what that. we want to do with and that is really acknowledge it and move on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. But he wasn't there, just like yeah. You know, it's all right. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, he's he's performance mode slick. Yeah. Um, and that's why none of them ever, even like whether it's opposition or politicians, none of them talk like human beings. Well, because they can't. They though. can't. And it's just like, I don't but, like anyone. But and also it's because they have to get into a certain way of speaking that is understandable to every single person. And it's like when we did that thing uh, like a month ago about the, the way that the news is read, yeah. it's like the way that the news is read like that is because it means that anyone can understand it. Yes. So anyone can, but, it, but if they talked normally or and the, the speed and the cadence was mm. varied, some people just wouldn't be able to follow and Like it. in our conversation, we, do, we don't do this consciously. It's a, it's a subconscious thing. But like, you'll know when I'll finish what I'm about to say. Yeah. And because I've finished it, you'll yeah. then know, okay, that's probably when I should say Vocal something cues. about the film. Yeah. Exactly. It's all storytelling. Yeah. In, in Please come in because my point is finished. Yeah. Help and that, me. you know, just like... They, they did. did. Yeah, we do. And Bevin <laughs> writes into the show and says, hey, James and George. Um, no, no and email from Bevin. We are, we are in the future, guys, just FYI. We, yeah. We're recording this. This will be out a week and a half. Yeah, about 10 days in advance. We're a, little, we're a little bit ahead of the time. Get your emails in, guys, because we're going to burn through them. But we have a dichotomy today because we, we'll be reviewing, A, a film that by the time you listen to this has been out for about 10 days, yeah. but we're also reviewing a film that's not going to be out for about 10 days. Ooh. Ooh. So give and take. It's actually quite balanced it's, then. It's bad, yeah, evens out. Um, so you're going to Florida. Florida. Yeah, Florida. 
Florida. Florida. Florida. Panhandle. Maine. Maine. You said two pumpkins. I'm not quite sure. That's Nobody told me. Yeah, Queens. Queens. So this is um, Fred Armisen. Anyone should go and see the clip of Fred Armisen going through every single American state and doing the different accents for each one. It's a, quite, it's a couple of years old now, and I watched it like religiously during lockdown. He does lockdown. like 35 of the 50 states, I'd yeah. say, oh, he gets really well. But he, I, I, when I, w- I do get a little bit triggered now when I watch it because it reminds me of watching it in, uh, in yeah. my house. Oh, like Chicago. Yeah. Chicago, you know, a little bit almost more Chicago than Chicago. No, no, no yeah, was it, um, and then, uh, what's above? What is it? Wisconsin is more Chicago than Chicago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in California, everybody says every part of the word. And uh, was it, and, and is it, or everything is a fact. Everything, uh, it, San Francisco, Francisco, this, this is, is a fact. fact. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, you got to bounce off that B. You really got to bounce on it, yeah. Alabama. Uh, yeah. This uh, is us doing Fred Armisen. Yeah. Go, not, see the original, go see the original video. It's really, it's re- really funny. Um, um, but yeah, uh, obviously we're, we're two weeks in the future by the time you read this. Um, episode 94. Five. Oh God, did I call it the wrong thing? Yeah, no, I called it the right thing. Yeah, it's 94. I'm going to go with 94. Let's go with that. Episode 94, coming right at you. No, genuinely, how many um, Brano Poirots have you seen? None. Right, I've seen one. Which is? Which is the uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I didn't see uh, Death on the Nile. I watched, I'd say, two-thirds of Death on the Nile via someone else's screen on a plane. Mm, plane movie. Yeah, plane movie. But I, don't, I didn't get enough of it. Huge watcher of the original David Suchet yeah, Poirots. Yeah, 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 yeah. big fan. Big, uh, big love and respect for that corner of British history, TV history. And I like Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. I do. I think he's really talented. I like it when <laughs> he... take. You know, he, yeah, he's great. I just like... I like prefer it when he's not doing a silly accent. I like yeah. it when he's just himself. So in Tenet, I was like... Ugh. When he says, Hercule Poirot, <laughs> there's just like, don't even acknowledge the consonants in that. In that I'd words. like to buy an hamburger. I would. Would. I sent you that. The yeah, other yeah, day, yeah. It's so good. Anyway, sorry. Hercule Poirot yeah. uh, is the third Brana Poirot film. Definitely, um, you mean Haunting in Venice is, is the, the Haunting Haunting in Venice yeah. is the third uh, uh, Poirot film. Uh, so directed by Kenneth Branagh. This one, we find Poirot in Venice. He's very much retiring, sunsetting the detective Hanging up his moustache. <laughs> Hanging up his moustache. He's eating bonbons and sweets on the roof in Venice. And uh, uh, plucky Tina Fey, who's actually really good in this, comes up to him, who's an author who's previously made money from the revelations that Poirot has found. So uh. she has written up some of the great detective stories and is kind of struggling to find her next thing. Mm. So Poirot retiring is a little bit of a, mm. can you not just do one more thing for me? She has found out about a, uh, a visionary, a, a visionary, what are they called? Mystic. Uh, a mystic played by uh, Michelle Yeoh. And she's like, I thought, you know, I could debunk this, but I'm genuinely stumped. Some of the stuff that she's doing is incredible. Come to this orphanage where uh, years ago, very tortured children were, were here and there's this all this dark, ghostly yeah. spirit going on. Come to a dinner party and a seance and I just want you to see if you can debunk some of this. Which I can tell from the, I believe from the trailer, is that San Michel Cemetery Island in Venice, which yes. I went to specifically, which is just an island. It's just complete, it's all a cemetery. Locked off yeah. by a storm. Yeah. So the, the storm happens in typical spooky horror fashion and they are locked in, can't escape. Um, it also stars Jamie Dornan, who's I think like a brand of favourite now, isn't he? He's well, in his squad, uh, Michelle Yeoh, I said, and Kelly Riley. And um, 
it starts off with, you know, Poirot very quickly dismissing the seance that happens. And there's a lot of really interesting camera work, which I liked in the beginning. Oh, that thing's just gone black. Never mind. There's a lot of really interesting camera work that happens in the beginning where everything is Dutch and wonky and slightly mm. off. And you know how the architecture in Venice, like the ceilings and the walls don't quite align perfectly and it's a little bit, Cause it's a bit off. Yeah, because it's sinking, yeah. Everything's sinking and like one half of the building is lower than the other. And I think the camera work really reflects that. And there's mm. lots of very wide cameras. And even, you know, that perspective shot where they they stick a camera on the actor and they walk by oh, yeah. and the world and like their, their head is locked to the camera but everything else goes around them like very playful with those kinds of things which I enjoyed and um, I think it was uh, it was decently spooky a lot more spooky than I thought The Nun 2 was last week oh, and that's, really? that's oh. an actual spooky film whereas this is like a little bit yeah. of a spooky film with a, with a oh, mystery to it here's what I liked about it I think what I like is that it, this film doesn't start as a murder mystery, but it becomes one. I like this idea of like a happenstance where it's not like he's turning up and there's been a murder. Mm. It's like, I'm actually just doing something relaxing and oh, this is developed into something else. So it starts, it starts as debunking a seance and it ends up moving into something a lot deeper. Um, and there's this whole thing of, we get to this part where he's debunking stuff and all of a sudden, what Poirot hears, he no longer thinks he hears, and what he sees, he doesn't know if is really happening. And what his mind is reading in mm. front of him, he's like, I genuinely don't know how this is being done. And because they set that up as like Poirot can debunk anything, and then mm. all of a sudden he's stumped. That was quite a nice oh, hook where I was also gone, like, how did they how did they do that? Um, I like that Poirot is also a character that he grows in this film as well. It's not just like he turns up and solves it, and that's done. Like, I really feel like the character is in one place at the beginning of the film, and then at the end of the film, I feel like Poirot's in a really different place, and that I also like. I think it's just a little bit fine. I think, mm. I, I think when it got to the moment where he stands in front of everyone and tells them, re and reveals yeah. the whodunit and the story, instead of being like, whoa, clap, what amazing, th I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, that's okay, that's fine. And I enjoyed mm. my time with it. I think it's very charming. I think the acting's all very good. Great child performance in there from a guy who I want to say is called... Oh, yeah, a guy called Jude Hill, who was a really great child actor holding his own with everyone in there, and I thought it was really smart. That's not, the, that's not the kid who was in Belfast, is it? <gasps> you might be right. Is it the same kid? Yeah, it's the kid from yeah, Belfast. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah, oh, Walked he's off great. of one set. He literally was like, you, you, you're coming yeah, with me yeah. to Venice. <laughs> Two for one deal. Yeah, I like it. I wasn't like... You know, wild hogs. I like it. I'm not really thinking about it much coming out. Yes, it's like I said. The camera work makes it really interesting, and then it's not. It's not a sleeper sequel. I can. You know, what I can tell. I think Kenneth Branagh really enjoys making them. I think he really genuinely loves the character of okay. Poirot, and I think he really enjoys selling you the mystery. You, you, uh, you could wait and watch it with a glass of wine at Christmas with your okay. grandparents, I think. I think that's, that's probably what it will do. Yeah. You know what? That's intriguing because like, I, I haven't really wanted to see any of them. Yeah. Um, but I think it's the best of the three, not that I've seen the second I've, one. I've heard other people say yeah. that as well. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Because um, when I saw the trailer, and around, I just kind of thought, really? We're still doing these? He's got the, you know, a moustache the size of his... too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that sounds like it's kind of resuscitated it a little bit. Just this slight yeah. different genre inflection. It has that shot, which is in the trailer, where he's he's just seen something he can't really believe. And he goes to the toilet. It's all very dark. And yeah, he goes yeah. to the toilet. In the mirror, and yeah. he, he goes and like splashes his face with water. And then when he comes up in the mirror, there's the ghost Classic. of the person. Classic. And that's a really cool thing. Because it's like, well, how is this supernatural? How yeah. how has Hercule Poirot been, um, been actually... It's, uh, stumped stumped here mm. um great 
runtime for this at I think just over 90 minutes. Oh, good. So again, you're you're not you're not inviting yourself to that much criticism. You're yeah. getting in, telling a story, showing like doing some storytelling with some characters who are oh so tortured and oh so complex. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not Yeah, I know what you mean get, get passionate about the project. Yeah. Knows the runtime. It it, cro- it, it ticks a lot of the things I think it needs to do to be successful. Um, it's a li- maybe it's a little bit sleepy for me. Mm. I want a little. I want a real more like fire under its belly to get me going. But maybe that's not what this is. Poro. Yeah, it's got to be a bit sleepy. It, 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 is yeah. an, it is glass of wine at Christmas. So like, am I am I going to criticize it for not being authentic to what it really is? No, okay. that's where I'm at with it. Not urgent viewing though. Okay, that was haunting in Venice. I'm going to say death in Venice. In Venice. No. Uh, it's death you, on the Nile. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, it, and if you have seen it, and you <laughs> would like to let us know your thoughts. Email in. So you got so a murder on the Orient. You got a death, death on, on the Nile. Nile. A haunting in Venice. Venice. What's next? A slip up. <laughs> a slip An overdose up in on the yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> fall down the stairs. In yeah. uh, anyway, yes. If you've seen it, let us know. Hello at pocketchimpodcast.com. You know the drill. Cheers. Okay, let's do Blackberry. Um, Blackberry is a new film about the titular foe, not the fruit, not the fruit, and you know. Going in to see Blackberry, if anyone has seen any posters, trailers, any material around it, I think you'd be forgiven for thinking mm, very cynically, social network ripoff. Yeah. Not, not even ripoff, sorry. Social network knockoff. Mm. Cheaper, 13 years too late. The rise and the fall. You've got Jay Baruchel in a very big wig. You've got Glenn Howerton with a bald cap on. And, you know, the social network kind of reinvented or gave rise to fresh rise to that new subgenre, which is like the story behind the, the company that you've heard of mm. so we then got the founder and we've had things like we crashed we crashed show, super pumped the uber one um air mm. um tetris things all these kind of things spreading out which is like the product the product you know the, the story product, you yes didn't. So stories about products um not just stories about you know it's like a bi- it's not not just a biography anymore but mm. a story of a product um and yeah, so that so that's the kind of going into it. You kind of have that kind of look about it, but I'll just explain this, the premise first. But of course, what BlackBerry has as a historical importance is, of course, that it was the world's first smartphone, mm. and that claim I think is enough to justify its existence. It's not just a cynical think of let's think of a very famous brand name and go into something behind it. I think it's even less cynical than the Michael, jo- you know, the Air thing, yeah, which is like a, a, all about a deal. But this is legitimate, you know, smartphones iPhone is the dominant part of our culture now, but going back to the root of it, the, the original mm-hmm. one I think is is legitimate. Which doesn't currently have a place. Like you think for being the first, exactly. it doesn't now have like a share of the market. It has zero percent share of the market now, now, but it was the first smartphone. So BlackBerry begins in 1996 in Waterloo in Canada. And the story follows on the one hand, Jay Bruchel and his partner in this, uh, played by Matt Johnson, who also directs. Uh, Jay Bruchel plays Mike Lazaridis and his partner, Doug. And they are classic kind of like 80s, 90s tech duo in that Doug is like headband wearing, long hair, into like John Carpenter movies Mm. and like playing ping pong and, um, you know, loves pop culture references. And Mike... Um, Lazaridis is, you know, glasses, shirt tucked in, uh, you know, fascinated with with technology. Not inept at talking to people, but just, you know, introverted. They, the, the movie begins with them going in to pitch and uh, the idea for 
what we later know will be the BlackBerry, essentially, called like phone link, about mm. having a phone that is able to deal with email and stuff on, on a device. And their their company is called Reality in Motion or RIM for short, right? Mm. And and like it's and when they go into to pitch to Glenn Howerton's character, who, uh, Mike Mike Borsley, he kind of like pulls a face at it. Meanwhile, Mike Borsley's at, at a company called SS. So there's just this kind of you you arrive at these characters in this weird space where it's like they're working for these strangely named companies, and you get at the beginning of this film this really interesting prologue where they're trying to pitch to Glenn Howerton's Mike Borsley. Uh, the, the the idea for the BlackBerry. Meanwhile, this this company's working for, which I guess is uh, I don't know some sort of like seed capital, whatever funding, computer funding mm. d- division. Meanwhile, Mike Balls is trying and is distracted by another massive pitch that's happening on happening in the next room that he's involved in. And you have these two contrary um, objectives between these two characters happening simultaneously. So they're in a room trying to pitch to him, and he's thinking about something else. And these just these clashing objectives. And it's a really way of beginning this film. And then what you have is that Mike Balsley decides to give... Uh, sorry, it's not Mike Balsley, Jim Balsley. It's Mike Lazaridis and Jim Balsley. Oh, yeah. Decides to give them another chance and hear them out again. And basically realises the potential of what this, this thing is. And for various diff- different plot reasons says, look, I, let me in on this and I can help you massively. And it's this classic thing of big suited BMW Rolex wearing, mm. you know, uh, Gordon Gecko type figure coming in, you know, coming into the hen house where all the kind of precious nerds are gathering and trying to design computers. Um, and there's there's a, there's a line where they're debating about it and Mike Lazaridis is really tempted and Doug is saying, don't do this, don't do this. And... Jim Balsley has said to them, look, yes, you have a deal with US Robotics, but they're a bunch of pirates. They're going to strip you out and they're not going to give you any money. And later, Doug is saying to Mike, Mike Lazaridis, don't do this. This guy's an absolute shark. He's, he's, he's crazy. And Mike Lazaridis says, yeah, but you know who's afraid of sharks? Pirates. And he makes the call to, to get Jim. And then so, so begins this collaboration, partnership to develop the BlackBerry phone. Anyway, that is the sort of setup of BlackBerry. It charts the rise and ultimate fall, as we know, mm. of the world's first smartphone. Now, like I said, going into this, I thought, no, I don't. It's got a relatively small cast. It, it, you know, Glenn Howerton is a name. But I've never, I've never seen an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, really? Not seen an episode. Never seen yeah. a single episode. So I know he's mostly known for that. Great. So I'm going into an unknown actor. I haven't seen Jay Baruchel in anything. Sorry, I've and, only seen him in. Sunny. Yeah, yeah I think most people have. Too, yeah. Exactly. But I haven't seen Jay Baruchel in a while. I hadn't seen any of Matt Johnson's previous work. It's got Carrie Euler's turns up at one point. Anyway, I was really, really surprised by BlackBerry. I yeah. think it's a really solid, competent, sharp film about nice. success, the price of success, greed. Um, and it is able to take, you know, on the face of it, it's a story about a brand and a product and make it... Uh, compelling and sort of necessary um i think on the the first thing to talk about is is the script it's really tight and lean and focused about the story it wants to tell and it has those great lines and great moments like i said i mean the 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 early scenes that that prologue i mentioned is really great and chaotic and when jim jim balsley is coming in and and he's trying to fight for control and fight for kind of a status he sees the, the potential of this product and he's basically cracking skulls together saying you get me an office and get me someone on the phone who can actually do this with that's mm. really funny and really witty but it never like 
it never spills out into like broad comedy, you know, Howard never does like manic um, comic mode or whatever. Um, but it's really, it's really sharp and, and, and the script's great at that. And, you know, the, the runtime's about two hours and it really kind of uses that every single minute of that well. And I, I really quickly, it was only within about 10 minutes, I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. I love it when that happens. Yeah. So like quickly in a film, you're like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm and, it, yeah. and I thought the thing is with, with things like the social network casting along shadow and with all these other films coming before it, you think mm. you can almost follow the cliched beats. And I would have to say, I, there, I, there really weren't, a lot of times that I thought, okay, now we're going to get this part of the story. Yeah. Now we're going to get that. It really, cross. exactly. It really yeah. felt spe- spe- specific to this tale. Um, Glenn Howerton, for an actor who I've never seen in anything, is yeah. really, really good in this. He's nice. really enjoyable to watch. He never oversteps it with being this sort of slick Gordon, Gordon Gecko character. But he, and like I said, he never with the with the, the the moments of humor he never overindulges those to kind of derail the character it's all tightly focused and he's a great foil to jay brochelle as being the sort of quieter figure um and michael ironside who's an actor people recognize kind of comes in later as well this kind of big ballsy figure which is great ballsy not ballsley yeah. like jim ballsley um and it's it also doesn't overindulge in the time period as well. It's not like yeah. 90s. It's the 90s. Yeah, it's, yeah. Really like it's not like boop, boop, boop. But, you know, it really, when it, it, it's compelling enough that when the iPhone be- dawns, begins to become on the horizon in 2007, which this film covers, it covers from about 96 to, I want to say, about 2010. Right, yeah. Um, uh, maybe 2008. Um, which is when the iPhone was no iPhone longer just a luxury product. Yeah, exactly. Then, iPhone so launched in 2007. Yeah. And it was like, it's a really interesting point in the story. I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do about this thing? And just because you were first doesn't mean you're going to be yeah. the winner ultimate, ultimately. Um, you know, great scenes of dialogue with when they're first trying to get their big pitch with Verizon, I think it is, you know, um, Jim Ballsley describing it, he's like, we're not selling communication or connectivity anymore. We're selling individuality and self-reliance. It's all in Nick Palmer, your hand. And then, mm. and then it flips to Mike Lazaridis being, one of the, um, sorry, one of the people in the, the board meeting says, oh, wow, it's, it is the world's largest pager. And he says, no, it's the world's smallest email receptacle. Mm. And it's this kind of penny drop moment, but never, you're never, done, it, there's no, I, there's no, uh, you know, uh, 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 over cliched bits of like, wait, Blackberry, what did you say? <laughs> there's, there's nothing like that. Say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was a QWERTY really keyboard? What yeah. other device? <laughs> um, it's not possible. There's a great bit where um, uh, watching... So that's the, so the early bit when they're clashing is great. And then the middle section where it's about the sort of real ascension and peak of Blackberry mm. is great. And, you know, um, Glenn Howerton sort of flying all across the country trying to get the best talent from tech to, to deal with something that's happening with Palm Pilot. And he, he goes into the, the sales force at, at BlackBerry and he says, you are no longer salespeople. You are now male models. And I want you to go to every tennis club and country club across yeah. the world and be the loudest asshole in yeah. there and use your BlackBerry. So everyone says, who is that guy and what is he holding in his hand? Yeah. Um, it's, really, it, it's really funny. So um, I, I think that there's one or two moments that are a little social networky. There's one bit where Jay Rochelle has to make a decision and it's like... And I was like, beep, boop, beep. I was like, hello, is that Trent Reznor and Atticus <laughs> Ross? Um, but I, they're drawing a qua- equation on a conveniently see-through glass yeah, yeah, window yeah, yeah. so that the camera can shoot there through. Is a, and there see is the a equation. bit of uh, that. But, there's, but the, what I like is that there is it, there's deeper stuff to it in that about Mike Lazaridis in particular, his attitude about uh, 
how products are made and about mm. uh, its quality versus the corporate capitalist necessity of greed to to undercut your product totally. And and when you what happens when you put a product at mass scale, which sounds doesn't sound incredibly no, exciting you. when you say it, but cinematically I think it works. It's it's tight, it's focused, it's sharp, it's it, it's witty. I was really satisfied with it when I came out at the end, and I think everyone um, did as well. So like, and good performances too. I think you, it's a really bankable, solid film. When I saw that they were making a BlackBerry film about the BlackBerry phone, I thought that is a really good time to tell that story. And mm. I don't mean time of the year; I mean like time in in, yeah. in history. Is that we have? Yeah, we all know what the BlackBerry was, and we've maybe slightly forgotten it. But we're also at this point with specifically smartphone technology, where mm. it's that the tech with the smartphone is kind of slightly stagnated. Yeah. It's reached its final form as this candy bar shaped thing. Yeah. It's not. Re- yes, we got the foldables, but I'm like, we mm. kind of are very settled in what that is and what's next, maybe yeah. coming or it might evolve. And it's so now is a good point to be like, yes, but remember back to what this was and yeah. where it was going until that new thing came and changed everything. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good slot for it to come in i think these living uh, memory as well for a lot of people yeah totally well also people who would have been teenagers or in their early 20s yeah. then are like you know still at consumer yeah. you know, disposable income age um it is that thing what these stories do best is when they capture the the future being written before their eyes that it wasn't always this defined they're able to break down our understanding of this monolithic thing which is a blackberry and yeah. they realize that it was actually a massive collection of different ideas and different directions that pulled it into being crafted and shaped into this one thing that it ultimately became. It reminded me um, a lot of it as well. Um, sorry to sound like a broken record, but it reminded me of Halt and Catch Fire, that, that TV show I mentioned before, the kind of up and down TV show, but that I don't think anyone watched. But in the same way, it's about people trying to shape the future before it's here, a future that we now take for granted mm. and that wasn't available then. And you know, there's, you know, Jay Bruchel writing out the names of what the phone could be. And he's like, me phone, phone fax, email phone, mail phone. And it's like, oh, you're just so nearly there. Yeah. You're so nearly what it became. Because um, obviously iPhone is just, I know I could mean intelligence, but also I could mean individuality as well. Also, when the the, uh, the i moniker came from like the iPod and uh, like yeah. iMac, and it, that, that was a real turn of the millennium thing mm. that like if something was technological and I, intelligent, yeah. it was i. Yeah. And I actually think it's kind of silly now to call something. It's the eye. Yeah, yeah. Thing. It's like, very. It's a real seven. Yeah. Oh, I would say two thousand. It comes from the iPod. Like well, I, yeah, I, suppose, yeah. I think it's pre millennium. Oh, really? Like, yeah. It's I. It's intelligent. Mm. It's new. Um, but yeah. But also, I think that because I, I never had a BlackBerry. Did you have a BlackBerry? I did. So oh, wow. I, I remember. I remember my dad, my dad having one, and it was like he was a huge advocate for it, cause, like mobile emails and like business, and he always really championed yeah. it. Like I can't believe QWERTY keyboards. And I'll never forget when it was obviously considered like a business expense, an email machine. And then I remember like some kids at my school, when it started to really get popular and it wasn't just for businessmen who needed emails, that's when it sort of... BBM. Yeah. BBM was a big one, but I remember specifically other people who weren't businessmen getting it or businesswomen getting it. I remember seeing a kid at my school with a BlackBerry and I was like, why the hell do you have a BlackBerry? Like you, yeah. you are like 12 years old, yeah. right? And like, why the hell have you got a BlackBerry? But then all of a sudden, BlackBerry Messenger became its whole yeah. other thing. And I remember going to my dad and being like, can I get you a BlackBerry? And he literally like spat. I was like, why would I get you a BlackBerry? But like within two years, I had a BlackBerry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every, again, this is like a sort of, 
you know, middle-class London thing. Like, loads of us had Blackberries, and it was like, I didn't have any emails coming in, but yeah. it was that just, it was the, it was the beginning the of the evolution. Well. Beginning of the evolution of um, texting and instant messaging. And, can, yeah. I, uh, can I, can I, can I say one more thing that happens in the film? It's, sure. not, it's not a spoiler, yeah. but about BBM. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jay Rochelle says to, uh, you know, sorry, Mike Lazaridis says to Jim Balls, he's like, do you understand what we've done? It's encrypted. It's, it's like messaging is like, we, we already pay, and Jim Balls is like, we, we already pay Verizon. Yeah, it costs the serve. We didn't get anything from text messages. He's like, no, no, it's encrypted. We can send it between us. And he's like, are you talking about unlimited texting between Blackberries? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, he goes, huh. Fuck yes! <laughs> yeah. But you remember, like, if you remember back in those days, you if you were lucky, you had a, a number a, a number of oh, minutes yeah. in a contract, or you had to pay per text. I know. And if you were a kid, like all of a sudden you were texting one of your mates, and like you would hit a cap, and then you couldn't text. So you go in anymore. and take all the vowels out of your message. Literally, so that's why cap. like all the text abbreviation became really short. But then like when someone says you can message as many as times as you want for free. Yeah. That then became an incentive for parents to get their kids BBM because yeah. they wouldn't cost the money to send them texts. Anyway. And then, sorry, BBM was a whole social experience unto itself. Like, yeah. share it. I remember, like, going to, like, meet other schools and you would share your BBM code and yeah. you'd all be in groups. But that's what I've no- isn't that what Gossip Girl was, like, based on? I didn't, I didn't yeah, see Yeah, I think that was different. They, in the actual show, it was it was just text. It was, like, group text. Okay. But it, not really. I think not really, no. Okay. Um, anyway, so, as you can tell, I was I was genuinely really... I was really happy. I, li- I, like, see- I like being surprised by a film. Yeah. I like going in and being like, oh, this is so much better. I mean, it was made for, like, five million dollars like yeah. really you know small film um yeah that's out on friday the 6th of october yeah so a bit of time yet but yeah i was really surprised it's a definite solid watch nice well, if you guys have seen it and you uh, have thoughts on BlackBerry, uh, write BBM us to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we will read your thoughts out on the show. We're, we're, we're completing our emails soon because we're weeks ahead. Yeah. So now's the time, guys. Get the emails in. Hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Ready? I'm looking for a man. Hang on. I'm just trying to get the other ones up. I'm looking for a man, the hugging kiss. What's that from again? It's Mo in Simpsons. Right, like, um, oh yeah, you, re- I, you know what? Like, I, I've seen, I've seen so much Simpsons, but my, I've really never gone to like actively watch it. It's like uh-huh. I would have watched it when I was young, passively, but I never went back. You really so my shows. recall of the Simpsons is really poor. Episode seasons like four to ten, really. Is oh, it good for me to just have on in the background and? enjoy yeah because it is a bit of a black like i know i get what you're saying yeah. but i don't have the I, direct i have been it. surprised at how good it is funny four to eight you think yes no four to ten really four probably to ten. Do. I, some of the episodes i've been surprised at how wild they are like yeah. really bold and some of the jokes in it have really caught me off guard and i found yeah. so funny there's one like me and my mates to quote now like <laughs> you know what's uh, a shame is that the simpsons doesn't come up when people talk about the greatest tv shows of all time I think it. I think they do. I don't think it. Does. I think we they don't do. bring it. Remember up. when they talk about comedies? Yeah, but that's because we think about pres- pres- we don't, we we think about prestigious drama. We don't mm. think about a comedies or b mm. animated comedies. Technically, The Simpsons is the longest running sitcom in history. Yeah, but because it, yeah. it's animated, people always forget. Yeah, I mean, people, people always say that. it's always sunny, but it's like, well, no, technically, it's The Simpsons. Um, I don't think it gets enough respect. The, the, okay, the joke that made me laugh is where Homer puts on loads of weight and he, to get off work. He, he oh, get, I think I've he, seen that. he realizes that like if he if he becomes obese, he doesn't have to do any work. He can work from home, <laughs> <laughs> and which is funny now, especially because yeah. work from home. And uh, he wears like the Mew Mew things. Like anyway. And he becomes like a spectacle. And you know the bullies like Nelson and yeah. the guy with the beanie hat. Yeah. And like they're looking at 
um, Homer through the window and he's so proud. They're like, oh my God, look at him. And then one of the bullies is like, I heard that guy's ass has its own congressman. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good line. (laughs) And it's doing that sort of, hey, I heard that guy's ass has his own congressman. (laughs) Specific political. So so specific. And also, like, I bet, like, that's like a detailed insult. That would have been a couple of hours deep in the writer's room before they got to that level. Yeah. They were able to go. Because also, sorry, when you look at the credits at the beginning now, it's like Greg Daniels, Conan O'Brien, so many great people worked on The the Simpsons. Anyway, great stuff. Really funny. Okay, where are we going from? George, should we go through some of the emails that Let's we got it. sent this week? As always, if you wanted to send us an email into the show, you can do by emailing in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Matt did. Matt's right. Matt writes into the show and says, Hi, James and George, slash George and James. Respectful. Just in case. I like that. Respectful. Matt here again. Wanted to say thank you for reading out my question on the pod. My question was, what film would be on your name badge if you were to work in the cinema? Yes. Good question. I like that. You went with... Uh, when I just told the story that I did work in the cinema and yeah. obviously before sunset I put on there, but then because I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great if somebody out of the... You know, I didn't expect people to get it, but I expected somebody to be wife. like, oh, before <laughs> yeah. sunset, yeah, yeah, to look me in the eyes and go, I love that well, film. consensus was actually the least distracting film, the better. Yeah, because like. loads of people just kept saying to me, they're like, why does it say before sunset under your name? Why is it, why is it George before sunset? And I was go, James National Treasure, which uh, is just confusing yeah, yeah. as a name badge. Yeah. Uh, I was minding my own business at work, listening along, and all of a sudden my question popped up and it made my day again. So thank you. Also, hats off to you listening to it at work. Is that a subtle yeah. little ear, yeah. earpiece in? Yeah, a camera, a camera and subtle. While, you're, while your yeah. colleague is stuck in the popcorn machine, yeah. like, help me, man, help me. <laughs> yeah, just a second, just a second. So, you know the guy uh, at school who would always, in a class, would pretend to be leaning on his ear, but really he had, like, an earpiece in? No, because our school are disciplined. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can also confirm I was able to predict what George would have on his name yeah, badge. Yeah, Wonder how I guess that. My question this week is about the new Star Wars show, Ahsoka. As a huge Star Wars fan myself, that's how I always read it. Ah, Ahsoka. Ah, Ahsoka. Uh, as a huge Star Wars fan myself, every single week, I think it has the perfect balance. Never too much and never too little. Every week, me and my girlfriend Amelia watch. She has even gone so far as to say it is her, it is her favorite thing Star Wars has produced since her favorite Star Wars film, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Interesting favorite. My favorite of the prequels. Mm. But I can't say it's my favorite. I I have to say, I think, was it in last week's episode, we did, especially you were quite blunt about how we thought about the prequels. Yes, I said they've got great, some all-time great moments in them. But they are really poor films. That's 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 my. I think yeah. that's the pulp. If I may speak for us both, that's I, the pulp kitchen party line. Because on, on the one hand, I'm like, look, I haven't seen them since I was a child teenager. Oh, really? Is it been no, that yeah, long? But that, yeah. But on the other hand, I'm like, I don't want to rewatch them because even as a mm. child teenager, when they're that's like your prime prime years watching those. Even yeah. then, I was like, these these really aren't very good. These yeah. are really silly. I have a little bit of nostalgia same for phantom menace sure because i was probably six seven no mm. i was six and i remember all the merchandising oh my god all the merch Huge. all the darth Maul stuff i remember getting no wonder this- we're star wars fans yeah, of course i remember the um jar jar binks like sticky tongue thing you could like throw and it would yeah. like stick on something but then it got covered in like so much dirt after like yeah. a day i remember like there was like star wars cakes i think i had a star i think i had a phantom menace themed birthday party that's what it was yeah you know you know in my childhood bedroom that you've been into a couple of times yeah. You, know, oh, yeah, you know, on one side there's like all wardrobes, which yeah. are now like new wardrobes. They used to be older ones, and for a, for years of my life, I had covered mm. 
just stickers from the Phantom Menace. Mm. Just like Jar Jar yeah. and R2. Roger, Roger. And like the, the droids yeah. and like the slightly racist uh, uh, trade. Uh, uh, Waldo, yeah. Trade, trade. Wal- no, Waldo, Waldo, whatever. Waldo. All of them. Any character, Sidious, just everyone. And I remember like for a really long time, like you, you I wasn't associating why they were there. They were just part of the, yeah. of the set dressing. I remember at one point I was like, I don't want to be associated with this <laughs> film. These have to go. But um, so I, I saw them obviously when I was young as a teenager, like grew out of them and became very silly. Oh God, they're such terrible yeah. movies. Really like lent into that. And then I rewatched them again. I want to say 20 and maybe 22. Oh, well, recently. And it was, yeah. And then I, I saw them and I was like, do you know what? I have to give that scene and that moment credit. That is a really good, yeah. effective scene. And that's, that is almost onto something really great. But then, and it makes me long for what could be a better story mm-hmm. told. But I'm still very much like, mm. these are terrible. But here are some really great nuggets that make Star Wars great. Just on, sorry, why I feel, how nostalgic I feel about um, Phantom Menace that I, I associate two things with that summer being young, like six years old, Phantom Menace and Live in La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. <laughs> so when I think about but Phantom Menace, that, that, that song that, is in that, the background. That. I mean, that's how long ago we're talking here. Yeah. <laughs> that is really placed it in a moment. Anyway, any thoughts on the show? Have you had a chance to catch up? Hopefully you haven't had spoilers on Twitter and TikTok. Keep up the great work, guys. All the best and keep being awesome. Oh, thank Matt. you. Um, I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I, do, I am tempted. In terms of spoilers on Twitter and TikTok, I think like a certain character's introduction into the show has kind of been very heavily suggested. But I always thought that would happen when you made a show about Ahsoka, whose story is very tied to that character. Right, I don't even know what that is. It. So I've no no idea what that is. Don't tell uh, me. Another thing's working. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm tempted. Where where am I at with Star Wars, George? I feel like I need to hear the endorsement I, yeah. from quite a lot of people for me to jump in. I'm, I'm beyond the point of just blindly seeing yes. anything Star Wars just yes. because it has Star Wars written on it. I That's where I'm at. We've said this before. You and I struggle with TV sometimes because it requires a lot of commitment and pulls away time from watching films. Yes. So, I, I'm very apprehensive. I'm conscious of having done this before where I've said, oh, I started this TV show. I watched yeah. like two episodes and then it sort of disinterests me. I give an opinion based on a very early part of yeah, the TV which I hate show, doing. which I really don't want to do because I don't want people to think I'm just reacting to something that's incomplete mm. and then I don't have the time to finish it and give it enough justice to like really review it properly. The, if, if someone said to me right now, you have to go and watch a Star Wars TV show, though, I would go and see Andor because I've just heard nothing but good things good about thing, it. Yeah. And that was one that you literally like that, you started and never it finished. Started watched the three episodes that they released in the first week were like oh it looks really promising and i just got i just moved that was on. a year ago <laughs> yeah anyway anyway uh yeah uh, i think i might check it out so yeah i've not seen it either sorry but i i'm you know i'm not against it i'm just and then similarly weeks go by and then i no longer know how relevant it is for me to watch it all in one week yeah and report on it to you guys you're either watching it or you're not yeah this next <clears throat> This next email is from Joe, who says, Hi, folks. Hope all is well. Good, thank you. This is about past lives. Oh, nice. Past lives seemed like the type of film I would have loved, particularly as it's an A24 film, too. So I was very excited to go and see... By the way, sorry, on A24, when I went to see Stop Making Sense in IMAX, when the A24 logo came up at the beginning, someone literally went, Woo! <laughs> and I was like, that is quite impressive. I don't remember someone ever clapping for uh, a studio logo. No. 
Never. Anyway, um, so I was very excited to go and see it last week, but I left the cinema slightly underwhelmed. Mm. Starting with the positives, I thought the cinematography, performances, and soundtrack were great. Yeah, the soundtrack is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think my issue is with the storyline. I was never really rooting for the two leads, but I'm aware that this was probably the point of the film to make me feel more conflicted, which I certainly did. Mm. However, this meant for me that the climax of the film, when... Oh, no, the climax of the film for me was this scene as opposed to the end of the film, which a lot of people seem to have had quite a strong emotional reaction to, in brackets, not me. I know what you mean. Maybe it's to do with the personal, ex- my, with personal experience. Leaving the cinema, I was thinking about how I really don't have a what-if person. Mm. So I do understand that other people may have found that film a bit close to home. Anyway, although it's, I've been a bit negative, I certainly don't hate it and would recommend others see it as it's interesting to hear other people's responses. Thanks to the great content every Wednesday. Joe from Glasgow. I do, you know, some people I know where they're like, yeah, I don't dislike it, kind of sits in that kind of mm. mid thing. I, I don't have a what if person no. um, in my life. You also um, don't really have a personal story about the immigrant experience moving no. to America. Not to criticize your. Uh, oh, Joe. Mean, Joe, no. I but mean, like, do we. Yeah, but I think, I, think, I think certain things just do and don't resonate with different people. Um, I hope it's not been overhyped and you've gone in expecting I a revelation. It, and we've we probably. Guilty of, and yeah, we've been guilty of yeah. doing that. I do think that. Um, it it's is, also a film that we didn't like know was coming yeah. six months ago. It's also a film that's quite, it's very understated. So if you go in with this massive amount of hype and you're going looking for what has become a, the big film, yeah. you, you, it's not going to be there because it's a quiet film. It's, and it's, it's in undertone. Yeah, it's, in, it's all in undertone. Yeah. So uh, that is fair enough. So it's probably the second wave. It's reaching a, a second branch of an audience, which yeah. is great. But then those people might be like, well, I thought it was good. But, yeah. uh, but I really like it. It's very valid. This next email is from Josh. He says, hey, George and James, what are your two favorite superhero universes? Not favorite movies or show, but the whole universe. I'll add a list of below of the ones that I could find. Maybe you could pick your favorite. This doesn't necessarily have to be the most successful, but your personal favorites. So I'm going to run off a list now of superhero universes. Yeah, okay. And maybe just give a reaction to all mm-hmm. of them, James. Already? So the Marvel. Are we using that as MCU. one universe? So the MCU, the, the MCU one. Fine. Yeah. So... Uh, Hellboy. Okay. Uh, are you going to react or are you just going to sort of... Uh, are you going to come listen to Listen to me. Right. I'll acknowledge them as they sure. come. So MCU, Hellboy, yeah. uh-huh. DCEU, okay. Bloodshot. I don't even know what that one is. Sonyverse, mm-hmm. The Matrix, Sonic, right. Flash Gordon, Marvel Legacy, X-Men, Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. the Raimi films, Pixar, ha- like Incredibles, Big Hero 6, Hancock, Chronicle, Kick-Ass, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Watchmen, Unbreakable, DreamWorks, don't know what falls under DreamWorks. Dread, Robocop. Is DreamWorks like Megamind? <laughs> or Despicable Me? <laughs> um, Dread, Robocop. Is Robocop a superhero? Mm. Lego, so what, like the Lego Batman. Astro, Astro Boy. You might as well throw in Ben 10 as well. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. Project Power, never heard. Yeah, Digimon, Pokemon, <laughs> yeah. The Old Guard, Spawn, and Darkman. Um, I mean, half of those, I don't know what they are. And a couple of them, I, I have no feeling towards as well. Just quickly before I answer that question, I did that game with you ages ago, which I said, name uh, superhero films that don't have sequels. Yes. There were like surprisingly very few, but people have obviously commented loads that we forgot. Uh, someone commented on the video and said, you didn't mention Zack Snyder's Watchmen, the classic Shaquille O'Neal movie, 
movie, Steel, the Adam West Batman movie, mm. the New Mutants, the new Hellboy yes, with, yeah, um, David Harbour. with David Harbour, the masterpiece that is Catwoman, <gasps> which I completely yes, forgot about. Yes. That's a real omission from us. Uh, and then he said Howard the Duck. And but Jonah Hex. Was Jonah another Hex, one of people yeah. As well. Yeah, God, yeah. So that's actually way more than I thought. But yeah. like, on all of these lists, they didn't mention them, which is interesting. Uh, when you say, when you read out those... Oh, actually, sorry. Wait, it goes into TV oh. shows. He actually does put in Ben 10, Power Rangers, <laughs> yeah. uh, Umbrella Academy. Look, I mean... Do you know what it is? I don't have any. I don't. I don't have a favorite one. So just, that's I, a fact. I don't. When you say, when you think about like superhero universes, I weirdly like the MCU. I I feel like it's unfair to be like that one's the best because I think it's grouped a lot of great things together. So I've always loved Spider-Man specifically, and like every time I jump into a Spider-Man, whatever, if it's a film or if it's Andrew Garfield or mm. it's the MCU or it's like the Insomniac games. I'm always like, I love being, hanging out with this yeah. character in this world. It's just so fun. And then similarly, I just think Batman, of all the ones which are going to be rebooted continuously for the end of time, it's all, it always is interesting. Mm. I always love to see it. I love the character of Superman, but mostly find the universe of Superman a little bit dry. Mm. Again, yeah. I'm not an expert on Superman, but I think the character is more interesting than his world. Mm. So actually I like it when Superman gets involved with other people. I'd like them to make Red Sun. You know the Superman story where he landed on Earth six hours earlier or six hours later and he landed in oh. Russia and he becomes oh, an enemy of the United that's States. That's cool. Yeah, it's Get really... more interesting and weird with it. Yeah. Maybe geopolitically now is not the time. No. Anyway, <laughs> uh, oh, and then Josh ends with a very interesting question, which is this. On a personal note, I was wondering what happens after filming wraps on the podcast. Mm. I can only imagine it goes one of two ways. George stands up like a robot, picks his iPad up and pops it into his briefcase, then just marches towards the door without even saying bye before powering down to recharge his flat for the next IMDb countdown. <laughs> or you both slouch on the couch, sipping a cup of tea and having a little chat. Now, you're kind of right for both, to be honest. Yeah, both are kind of correct. I don't have an iPad or a briefcase, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued that that's the kind of air I give off. Yeah, you do give briefcase We. Out. It depends. I would say it depends time when... Of day. Time of days. If we're filming in the evening, we've, we, 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 we finished recording... And really, we're doing a quick chit chat, but I, I, I like to make a move. It's I've got often, to get back. It can be quite late, and it's always like, you just go, go home. Yeah. You've got up to an hour's journey to get back. Yeah. So we just sort of chit chat. Yep. Yeah, see you then. We'll be seeing this. All right. Next week. And yeah, I speak great. to George every day. Yeah, exactly. Outside of a podcast, we talk every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then sometimes, especially if it's like a weekend, yeah. we do, or if we've. If we've been so busy to record, we need a few minutes. We do sit yeah. on the sofa sometimes. Sometimes you, you give me food. Yeah, yeah, sometimes we have food. Yeah. If I'm lucky time. and I come and there's like a pasta dish, James makes yeah. a great pasta dish. Yeah. That's like a really nice thing. I stay for that and I eat it on the sofa behind me. There is also, that one. when you have a very fast-paced, intense two-hour conversation like we have to record this show, there is a real energy adrenaline dump afterwards where like, not because we dislike it, but like, okay, great game, yeah. see you next week. And we just go, oh. Yeah. Not like literally, but mentally, I'm a little bit like, okay, yeah, that's done. I'm not talking anymore today. Yeah. I just, I just had to think of like seven films where someone winked in yeah. the 93rd minute yeah. in 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also that's why it's quite good if Talia's here because then she can come in and like, she talks at us. us. Yeah. So we didn't have to, we didn't have to, can, can, like manufacture a conversation and it's a lot of logistics is someone who just dumps, dumps <laughs> word vomit on us we'll do a lot of logistics right so next weekend you can come when yeah yeah oh but and i have to move that thing okay we've do, got that screening can you do that yeah, are you yeah. gonna see a haunting uh, can you Venice? reply to thing can you about? reply to thing yeah anyway um, that's what happens that's what happens it's good fun a little, little behind the scenes and then before 
Before, Again, depends on the weeknight or the weekend. If it's a weeknight, usually we're ready to go. I usually James knows what time we're coming. We're set yeah. up and it's in quick chat. We've already had a day's work. You know, I come in, maybe get a glass of water. Then it's, it's maybe 20 minutes before recording. We have a little runtime. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. Then that. Yeah. And you'll come in with that. Emails, we, game, done. Weekends are a bit more relaxed. We're a bit like, hey, how's it going? Cup of tea? Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah you got some pastries. Okay, yeah. great. Oh, by the way, have you seen the thing? Yeah, chat, 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 yeah. chat, chat. Did you see they got cancelled? Yeah, yeah, we can't yeah. talk about that on the show. No, we no. can't. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a Although, or there's a palpable excitement when big film comes out and we've both seen it. Mm. Or there's like, it's a really stacked uh, running order for the show. Or, or often... If it, especially if it's a morning record, we'll come in, we'll be chatting, and then our conversations will end like this. They go, yeah, yeah, uh, save it. Save it for the save show. It, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, what about, uh, save it. Save, save it for it. the show. Uh, so you guys are getting... Up. Oh, and um, to set up, <laughs> yeah, we both have to sit in each other's shot because obviously this, this isn't a permanent, this is my flat, it's not a permanent studio setup. So I'm like, George, can you just tell me that story, but sat there. Yeah. And then he's always doing this, like as if he's going to sit like that. I'm like, no, George, sit how you're going to sit. And then George complains about his framing. Well, it needs to be in a right way for us to edit properly. Apologies about the TV screen today, guys, if you're watching. Which, you know, I saw that um, on our recent episodes, like 60% of people consuming us are watching the video. Which I thought is, I thought it would be like hey. 25, 30. Hey, listeners. What's up? Get, a, get an eye full of this. Take your top off for them. Go on, do it. No. Let's play some games. Let's move on to the games. Just before we do the games, I just wanted to mention, do you know what film I watched last night? Yeah. A Quiet Place Part 2, which I've uh, not yeah. seen yet. How is it? Have you not seen it? I think I started it. Okay. It's one of those films that it was the, th I think it was a lot of people's first film back in cinemas after COVID. I very much associated with that time. I had made Cinema would have been a quiet place. Bum bum. I, James? Brilliant. One of your best. <laughs> One of your best. Uh, um, um, no, but it actually, yeah, it's, it's solid. It's like the first. Mm. Um, uh, you know what? Actually, I, in some regards, it is the same film. <laughs> like, yeah. It actually follows the same film. Just, is Killian Murphy just the, uh, the John Krasinski part? But he gets. I saw the opening scene. For, it was like from the breakout. Yeah, but, yeah, John. Yeah. Krasinski, yeah, that's quite good. I it's mean, all one take. There's still moments where you're like, these creatures don't make sense, though, do they? Yeah. Well, they, they showed too much about about them now, haven't they? There was, yeah. There's so much more. There's so much more fun not knowing what they were. Yeah, they kill more in this one. There's a great thing. scene in the first one where the kid has the truck or like the toy that makes oh, a noise, yeah, yeah. and John Krasinski's running, and the alien just like the monster just. Yeah takes the kid out it's yeah. so brutal and you're like oh these are the stakes this is what we're running from i will say that like even though the rules are kind of silly that it undeniably having a thing at a premise where like you can't, make you can't just, it makes it very cinematic yes and yeah. it makes you do kind of lean into the film and millicent simmons is fantastic in it but yeah. uh, by, I, also when i was watching it i was like huh, mr and mrs oppenheimer yes killian, oh, killian course, murphy and yes, emily blunt yes yeah i didn't even think about that exactly there you go well George, as you know, every episode of Pop Kitchen ends... With a game. With a game. I've got two games for you. George, this is going to be a name. Seven in 30. Are you ready? I'm ready. George, you have to name... Okay, right, here we go. Hold on. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, want, I don't want to cock up the lines of this, okay? George, in 30 seconds... I need my phone. I need my timer. We never, we never get Because you don't want to give ready. my mind palace an advantage. No, I don't want to give you a second... I don't know. I, this could be interesting. I don't know. We'll see if you get it. You might just get it. George, in 30 seconds, name seven films with the words mother, father, brother, or sister in the title. Okay. You have 30 seconds. Go. Oh, brother, where art thou? The father. Mother. 
Um, uh, uh, Father of the Bride. Yep. Um, uh, in the name of the Father. Yep. Um, brother, sister, my sister's keeper. Yep. And uh, br- uh, brother, daddy, daddy daycare. Would you accept no, that? No, no father, no. father, father. Uh, Five seconds. Father, mother, mother, Russia, mother, lad. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> it's quite good, isn't it? Oh, that was that was. Tough. I wanted to know what is the name for that group of words? Siblings? Is it no f- familial names? Familial, familials. But I, I thought it'd be good to say. I can get a sister. What? Just my sister's sister. Sister Act. Oh shit! <laughs> sister Act Two. Back in the habit. Or sister, sister. The Nickelodeon TV show. Yeah, that's uh, quite good. Brother, yeah. what do you get? Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, brother, any, other, thou any other brothers? Uh, brother bear. <laughs> Oh yeah, sure. Uh, God, uh, Godfather kind of not really. Oh uh, no, yeah, I, I wouldn't you have said accepted. father of the bride. Yeah, father, mother, and the father, the father. Hey, on, so did, did I say father of the bride part two? Because I assume no, you but I think sequels. Yeah, no, not allowed. Not really, so father, yeah. mother, father of the bride. It's a sister's, sister's keeper. keeper. Br- oh brother, where art thou? Five, and I got one other one. Yeah, jeez. It's quite a weird one, isn't it? I like it? that, though. The niche, the niche of the You were confident coming in, and then you just about came short. Okay, that was Such is life. fun. Ready for the next game. George, in 30 seconds, name me seven Spider-Man villains. Your time starts now. Dr. Ock, um, uh, uh, the Green Goblin, yep. um, uh, 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 Rhino, yep. um, uh, Electro, yep. um, Sandman, yep. uh, Lizard, yep. and uh, what's another one from No Way Home? Uh, of, of Venom. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Very well done. I just really, as soon as I realized No Way Home has all <laughs> has of them like there, five, so <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just go through all so of them. like a mini Sinister Six going on there. Yeah. Good stuff. Mysterio. Um, Mysterio Craven. Craven. Uh, you said Electro Shocker. Wait, Craven, is... is that the one with Alan Taylor Johnson? Is that part Craven of the, Sony... the Hunter? Yeah. Sonyverse. So, yeah. Oh, Craven, Craven's like a separate thing. Vulture, you can have. Um... <laughs> what is this world? Something to do with Spider Man, I think. Do you remember? Have you seen the stuff about when they get Vulture to turn up at the end of Morbius? And it's the most oh. studio sanctioned, quickly written by a marketing executive piece of dialogue ever. Who did we contract for a post credit scene for one day of filming? And it was Michael Keaton. No, voiceover. Because he, he appears, he's not, he doesn't even show his face. So he goes in and literally the line is like, something about this world, something mm. to do with Spider-Man, I think. Anyway, I was thinking that you and I should team up. I have not been impressed by a post, um, specifically Marvel post-credit scene in a really long time. Do you know what I mean? I've never like seen one in such a time ago. Yeah. What? That yeah. character? They feel so, they feel like, like loads of, I, I see most of them are going to be broken promises. Yeah. Some of them you just don't get the reference and some of them are like boring jokes at the end of the film. They I've need said- they need to do a completely new thing. They, yes. they owned that in phase one and two. That yeah. was their it's thing. passe now. Now it's, they need to just sort of find something else. I've, to get I've to said this started. before. The formula for a post-credit sequence in the past few years has yeah. just been get famous person from another thing to turn up as a character you don't know and reference a new threat. So yeah. Harry Styles, Charlie Theron, Har- Brett Harry Goldstein, Styles, like- all of them just turn up and go, hi, well, I'm this person, this one, and let's do this. We've got some work to do. Yeah. That's not that interesting. No. All right, George, this is less of a game, more of a like, you know, sometimes I throw you a little like thought exercise. Okay. It's like, did, uh, did we know? Did we know? <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, I didn't know. Okay. This is a did we know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Based on, and apologies for using this as a metric because it's very hard to actually 
films aren't codified in like a numerical way, but Rotten Tomatoes is actually quite a useful tool for gauging like the internet's approval of a certain category of film. So, and again, we've talked and noise about why it's a sort of improper way to rank films. But based on Rotten Tomatoes scores, what are, I'm gonna ask for the top 10, maybe 15 if we're enjoying it. What are, no time pressure here. So George, can you tell me, according to their Rotten Tomato scores, what are some of the best sequels or what are the most highly rated sequels? Oh yeah, I could do this. Can you guess which films they are? In the top 10? Let's start with the top 10. So Godfather Part 2. Godfather Part 2 is at number seven. Before Sunset. Before Sunset is in there and it is at, hold on, number six. Oh, no, no, sorry, no. Before Midnight is at number six. Okay. Yeah. So high, Before Midnight's the highest of the two? Yes. Okay. Um, Call it to Rotten Tomatoes. Um, uh, Toy Story 2. Yes, at number two. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 is at number five. Paddington 2. Paddington 2 is number one. Yeah. Um, number four, I think, is actually quite interesting. Toy Story 4? No. Okay. Um, good, because we didn't need it. Oh, no, Toy Story 4 is nine. Toy Story 4 is nine. Why has it got 97%? Because, you know, no one really has anything bad to say about it, apart, about it, apart from, you know, meh. Yeah. Um, sequels. Okay, good sequels. Let me think back to... The, the rest of the ones in there, you probably won't get off the top of your head. That's because I think they're a little bit surprising. Empire Strikes Back? No. Are there any uh, superhero properties in there? There is not. But, uh, shall I, I'll, I'll, reveal, I'll reveal one to you. So at number 10, Sirens on Our End. At number 10, you've got Mission Impossible Fallout from 2018, which I think is interesting. Oh, wow. That's got a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, that is incredible. Which is quite high. interesting. I mean, it's a good film, but yeah. it's good, but as like one of the greatest sequels of all time, not so sure. At number eight, you've got The Bride of Frankenstein from 1935. It, that's uh, that, you know what that is. That's a small group of people who have all given it a hundred percent instead of a massive group of people. You know, so by average, it's kind of which is I think it's kind of like fair but interesting. But like, it feels kind of weird when there's like three Toy Story films in there. Um, at number four, you've got Goldfinger from '64, which I kind of understand because it's like yeah sequel. Um, oh, uh, is that that's the thing? Is it a sequel? It's part of a series. It's a bit tricky, isn't it? Is Evil Dead Two in there? Evil Dead 2 is not in there. Okay. What's at number three is Three Colours Red oh, from 1994. Again, though, is that a sequel? It's, part, it's an independent, mm. it's an anthology. So. Mm. And number one, Panting 2. And then in the top 15, I'm just going to read these out to you. At number 11, we've got Mad Max Fury Road. Again, not a sequel. Not really. Number 12, Aliens from 1986. Oh, of course, yeah. At number 13, we've got The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Terminator so, 2. Terminator 2 is not in the top 20. See, also, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, I don't think that's technically a sequel either. I know. Because Lee Van Cleef plays a different character in the previous film. Evil Dead 2 at 14, and then Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2 at number 15. Oh, so, so, so Evil Dead 2 is 14. Okay, 14, yeah. 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 But there you go, I just thought an interesting little thing, but like these lists, pinch of salt. No, but it's good to get an idea of what, what broadly what consensus is accurate or otherwise to us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any films you want to like see where they are? Creed 3 at 18? So Creed, Creed 1 at 18. Again, that's, I do, that. do you call that sequel? <sighs> Not really. Before Sunset at 20. Yeah, it should be higher. Avengers Endgame 22. Again, again, when you get into the Avengers, like, is that a sequel though? It's a self, it's like a self, it's yeah. an episode of a... Dark Knight at 25. I thought that would be higher. Empire oh, yeah, Strikes Dark Back Knight, at 27. Yeah. yeah. Logan at 30. That's not a sequel. I'm sorry. It just, it's, it, it has to be kind of... T2 is 35. Trainspotting. 
No, sorry, oh, Terminator 2. <laughs> T2 Trace yeah. way down. Yeah, yeah, no. In terms of it to be a sequel, like a proper sequel, I think it's got to be almost directly, it's got to be the yeah. son, or you know, it's like a like family tree, it's got to be a direct family link. Yeah. It yeah. can't, the spawn end off. game is a cousin. The next of to kin. the other one. Yeah. Kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> it needs yeah. a next of kin or next something. Next of kin, yeah. direct bloodline. <laughs> I think when people talk about the best sequels, they do think Toy Story, Aliens, Toy Story 2, Aliens, Evil Dead 2, Full Sunset, and you've got Godfather 2, obviously. Isn't Guys, what are some of your favorite sequels? Yeah. Send your thoughts in to hello. I think it's definitely a question we've, we've had. Guys, thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us this week. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this podcast every single Wednesday. And thank you again for listening to the show. Continue to support us, please, on Instagram and TikTok and comment like and share and, and and do all that stuff for us please it really helps us um we've got lots of exciting films coming out yeah. next week we're in that interesting time now autumn lots of interesting stuff coming yeah. out in the next few weeks and we will try and get a review at all continue to send your emails in continue to rate us and give us a thumbs up we really appreciate we it we'll be a little bit late on a cut the, the films coming out in the next couple of weeks but when we are back exciting times we will be covering them so stay tuned for more fun from pop kitchen See you next week. See you next week.